Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stephen. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Good morning. Well, you know, in that song I had this picture of these, remember the Negro slaves in the field singing their spirituals as they just slaved away. And they were slaves. Then they became free men. And I think that that sort of sums what our lives were like. We were slaves to sin. But under the new covenant, we have become free people, free men, able to serve God in sonship. And that's really what I want to talk about. My better perspective this morning is that the new covenant is a better place for us to live under. And I just want to uh, share from the scriptures this passage and then we'll go on from there. Um, And it's from the book of Hebrews and Greg shared from Hebrews this morning. Um, And Hebrews is a book that talks about better things. In um, the book of Hebrews, Better or superior is used 15 times. The word is used 15 times. And it's all about the new covenant being much better than the old. And so I'd just like to read this. The time is coming, declares the Lord. And it's from originally from Jeremiah 31, verse 31 to 34. The time is coming, or oh, sorry, I'll go to verse 7. For if there be nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and he said this, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to that covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. So the difference, there was a shift in the way that we related to God. There was a shift from obedience to the law to relationship and intimacy with God. And as verse 7 says, if there was, if there was anything right with the, with the old law, then we would have been able to continue under that law. But righteousness could never be achieved by the law which is why once a year the people of Israel had to have their sins atoned for from, by the high priest. Not only that, they were um, required to meet all these rules and regulations. If you ever want to read the book of Leviticus, go for it. You'll find out how many rules and regulations they were bound by. And so righteousness could not be achieved by the law. And in Galatians 3, verse 21 to 24, the scripture says, If a law had been given that could impart life, impart life, remember, that righteousness would certainly have come by the law. And the law could not achieve righteousness for it was merely the schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. Through the blood of Jesus, we enter into a place of sonship with God the Father where he deposits his spirit within us and we have direct access to all that he has to offer us in Christ. And the issue is, that people have the law in their heart, but they balk at Jesus. 
you know, I find my experience in life has been that most people are happy to talk about God and faith, but mention the blood of Jesus and it's a whole other thing because Jesus makes us accountable. And Jesus is the only one who we can have access to the Father through. And there's that scripture that says, that Paul talks about in Corinthians, we preach nothing but Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. There's a recognition within Paul that that's all, that's the power. And it goes on, the scripture goes on, says the power and wisdom to those who believe. And so it's in this new covenant that we have so much better access to God. And I'm just going to share, I'm aware of time, share four areas where the new covenant is so much better than the old. So I'm not sure what's up on the screen because I can't see. But um, the first one is Aiden. Why is it better? It's who we become under the new covenant. We become children and heirs. We're no longer seeing God from afar off, but through the blood of Jesus, we're brought into intimate relation. We are brought into intimate relationship with Him. John 1:12. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. And I think in some versions, it's the power to become the children of God. His Spirit resides within us. We have his DNA. Do you realize that you have the whole purpose and kingdom and presence of God within you? That power, that wisdom, that capacity, all that is in Christ is also our inheritance. All that the Father has given to Jesus, he has given to us. You know, I was having a conversation with my younger daughter this week regarding the whole issue of how hard it is to live in a big city and the provision that she has for a job and all the rest of it. You know, if we're looking to be provided for materially through the world, we will always be disappointed. We will always be disappointed. You know, it's either never enough. It is never enough. When I think about some of the wealthy people and my daughter is mixing with the wealthy, she knows they're not happy. It doesn't matter how many skiing holidays they have. It is never enough because God's design is for Him to, for us to have our satisfaction in him. You know, the psalmist says, when I awake and see his face, I will be satisfied. But if our inheritance, if we're drawing our inheritance from anything other than the Spirit of Christ within us and God's Spirit, we will be disappointed. The second thing is that when we come into the, um, under the new covenant, we come into a new spiritual dimension. And Ephesians 3.30 says this, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly above that which we ask or think according to the power at work within us. See, we live in a different kingdom. We come into a different dimension. And, you know, that was years ago I actually got saved in a, what was a, probably a revival among young people traveling through the south of Spain. And recently, we're talking 40 years later, I've caught up with some of those people. There was such a work of God done in their lives at that time that many have gone on into ministry. 
we're now looking at that ministry being um, replicated in their children's lives as well. And I can remember being in this room where a young guy was seeking the Holy Spirit. And he was a young Canadian and uh, he was seeking to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Very, very quiet guy. And we're all seeking the Lord. And suddenly his arms shot up in the air and he began speaking in tongues. And his face was aglow. And this sort of went on for so long. We all turned around and went, wow, what's going on here? And we went over over to him to speak. And he said, went like that and to bring a piece of paper and as he was speaking in tongues his face aglow he said I do not ever want to live for anything in in this area with God I'm speaking to God directly but more extraordinary than that was God's desire to reach his people was as a young Jewish woman there who'd come through from the south of Italy she was trained to be an opera singer and she stepped forward an unbeliever and she said do you want me to translate what he's saying And she said he's speaking Hebrew. And she gave a translation of what he was saying. You see, God wants to fill us with his presence. I remember hearing about from Derek Prince that he talked about the Holy Spirit falling upon a woman in Africa. And she came out of that saying, I see Jesus. And so we have this dimension. Paul, talking to the Greeks, said, in him we live and move and have our being. But not only that, we have his spirit within us and it's his spirit who raised Christ from the dead. So we're no longer confined by the spiritual world, by the natural world. We are spirit beings connected to the Father through Jesus and able to enjoy the dimension that he has to offer us. As our spirit is quickened by his spirit, our hearts and minds become alive to his will his purpose, his kingdom, so we are enabled to live in his power and his presence. The third thing is we have an unchanging covenant. James 1 verse, James 1 verse 17, Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Now recently over the holiday period I've had a bit of free time and I've been reading the newspaper and reading various journalists' view on Tony Abbott who's actually the leader of our country. And regardless of what political persuasion you are, the reality is that Tony Abbott has made promises he cannot keep. And there are various circumstances and probably some of them aren't through any fault of his own. Probably some of them are. But the truth is, the promises that he made to a number of people, he is unable to keep because of situations that have arisen. But God never fails to keep his promises because his covenant is unchanging. What he has said about himself, what he has said about what he will do for us as sons and daughters, he cannot renege on because he's bound by his word. You know, um, I prayed for my parents, my family, because I come from a Catholic family, and I didn't ever know where my parents were in terms of, you know, their walk with the Lord. And for years I prayed, not only that they would know God's salvation through Jesus, but that I would know that they knew. And so... 
a few years ago my mother passed away and I went to a funeral in New Zealand and the priest, there were two priests in the parish and the priest she had wanted to conduct her funeral whom she'd known for something like 40 years was unable to be present at that time. Now my father was pretty happy about that because in fact the last time he'd conducted a funeral he'd forgotten the name of the person that he was um, conducting the funeral for. So there was a young Indian priest who was conducting the funeral and in the course of his conversation around his dealings with my mother, he made this statement. He said, I shared communion with June on a number of occasions and she expressed her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that was for me. I believe God took the old priest out of the equation because he knew that 30 years before I had prayed a prayer that I needed to know that my mother knew who Jesus was for her. And so he's faithful to his promises. The covenant God has in place with his people is unchanging for he must keep his promises because of the nature of his character. Okay. Now, the fourth um, benefit or why it's better to be living under the new covenant is that Jesus is our great high priest. Now, being brought up Catholic, when I was a kid, I used to have to go to confession. And, you know, I found confessing my sins a pretty boring kind of thing to do because they were very minimal. So one day, I decided that I'd, I'd make up some sins. So I kind of said, look, you know, I've been reading dirty books. And I went, and then the priest said, so where did you get these books? And you know what happens when you lie? You know, Shakespeare said, you know, what a web we first, what is it? What, something rather. Anyway, um, what a web we first weave when first we practice to deceive. And so, of course, there I am locked in the confessional box trying to find out where did I get these dirty books? I didn't even read them. Where would I find them? And so the difference is now that Jesus knows all my sins. I don't have to go to anybody else. I don't need a mediator because Hebrews says that Jesus sits forever at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. And you know, I don't have to tell him I've read dirty books. You know, he knows my sins. And he, I know he knows. So, um, and that's what the scripture says. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of his majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. And the right hand is the hand of ministry and the hand of power and authority. The throne speaks of dominion and rulership. You know, God's promise to us is that if Jesus rules in our heart, then we also rule with him. But I just want to pass on to Nathan now because he's going to talk about Jesus being our great high priest and being the person that we can go to. Ding, 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 she wins. <laughs> Do I have to preach now? Can we close? <laughs> what a hard act to follow. That was great, Sharon. Thank you. Not going to touch too much on the high priest part, but Jesus is the person that we need to go to. So how'd you go with loading that second? All good? So Romans... Um, chapter 12, verse 2, do not conform in the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, is the catch verse for 
um, might have to turn me down because I've got a really loud voice, is to catch verse for uh, a better perspective. So what I want to try and do is just help you transform that by the renewing of the mind a little bit by your first thought being having a better game plan in times of. Now, I want you to fill the blank because it's not for me to tell you in times of need, in times of trouble, in times of thanksgiving, in times of goodness or grace. It's up to you to fill that blank because I want you to take that away today. Have a better game plan in times of. So just think about that. So if we go to the next one in, in Psalm 118, verses 8 to 9, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than it is to trust in man. In verse 9, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than it is to trust in princes. So what I want for you to take away today is to realise that that place of refuge is when you need to turn to that game plan. And to get to that place, you have to know in here and in here that Jesus is that place. He is that high priest. So what does refuge mean? I looked up refuge. Um, It's a state of safety. It's as far as saying the Bible concordance actually says it's a state of asylum. So if you picture the asylum seekers that arrive on our shores in a boat and think of the desperation that they're in. They're seeking asylum. What thoughts does that provoke in your mind when you think refuge? I think for me it's um, desperation but it's also hope and a future because Jesus provides us with that hope and a future when we're in that place of seeking refuge. So I wonder honestly, can we say that in times of need, when we need prayers answered, when life is not growing as great as we thought it might, even when life is awesome and we're being blessed Whatever time it is for you, can you honestly say, you honestly think to yourself, I went to Jesus every time, first up. My game plan was to go to Jesus. Because for me, it's a definite no. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, at some stages of our lives, we can say that we tried to fix things ourselves. We trusted in man. We trusted in princes instead of going to Jesus first. God laid this message on my heart. It's a very simple message. You're not going to get any massive theology out of me today. But what you'll get is a practical way that you can go to God first. And you'll take some verses away to realise that. Because sometimes we forget. Sometimes we'll try and line up all the ducks of you know, making sure we're praying. Greg's message last week was great. Making sure we're praying, making sure we're giving, making sure we're in relationship with God. And sometimes we actually forget, hang on a minute, God just massively blessed me. Did I actually go to him as my first game plan and say thank you? Or did I just carry on in the world and just pass it aside? So just have a think about that thought of a better game plan in times of. I'm just going to change the pace and watch this DVD of a game plan that um, Coach Klein from the Waterboy was thinking of. Hello, my name is Bobby Boucher, and I am inquiring as to whether you have the need for an experienced water boy on your upcoming season. Nice suit. 
Thank you. It, 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 it was my daddy. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Come on. Come here. Come here. Come on. Come on, everybody. All right, this is it. Okay. This is the play. This is the play. This is the play. Okay. The quarterback. Two receivers lined up to the left, one to the right. There's a flanker lined up to the left behind the quarterback. Okay. Now, he gives the ball, though. He doesn't, he doesn't get the ball. The receiver goes all the way over there to the left. Once the quarterback has the ball, he fakes to the left. No. He fakes to the right. He doesn't fake. He thinks about fake. He pretends to fake. I don't know where I am. I can't breathe. Oh, this room is getting smaller. I have to sit down. Hang on here. Take the water. If only he said, take some Jesus. Coach Glenn was a bit mixed up. He tried to fix things himself. And, uh, yeah, he got a little bit anxious and overcome. I just thought that, that just matched the thought process that I've got this morning. And I really like Adam Sandler. He's pretty funny. Um, what is a game plan? You know, what, what is a game plan? People think, well, a game plan's simple, you know. We, we, we all got game plans. We, we play sport. Lots of coaches have different game plans. A game plan is actually a strategy for achieving an objective. That's pretty, pretty easy. It's a blueprint, a system, or a roadmap even. So what's your game plan? I'm sure we've all got plans in life. You know, we want to have two children, one male, one female by the time we're 30. Uh, we want to have a good house. We want to pay that off by the time we're 45, kick the kids out when they're 20, and then we're going to go off and live an awesome life. Didn't work for me. <laughs> Four kids by the time I was 32. Awesome. <laughs> I love them kids. We can all make our own game plans, and they often don't fall into our own um, objective. It's funny that, because God's got his game plan for us. So, In our walk with Jesus, we have an option. We can choose a game plan that Jesus got for us. And Jeremiah 29 says that, verse 11 says that, for I know the plans I have for you, plans not to harm you but to prosper you, plans to give you a hope, plans to give you a future. That's a pretty good game plan, I reckon. Prosper, hope, future, and it's from God. Tick, tick, tick. So we've got two options. There's that God game plan and or there's a game plan that looks like this if we go to the next screen. Standard 442 structure there, Chris, should work. Maybe a few arrows going right, left and out to the wings and whatever else. But here on this end we've got the devil. And he's throwing all this stuff towards lowly little us in the goals. Anxiety, temptation, hate, fear, marriage problems, work issues, bad habits, worldly influences, depression, sicknesses. What is it for you that's not on that list that the devil's throwing at you? Because this is his game plan. And his game plan is so far different to the Lord's. He wants to drive the Lord away. What's your little thing that the devil's game plan is throwing at you? What I couldn't fit on that screen was on the sidelines is God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, husband or wife, kids, family. Things that can help fight them things away. The devil's so good, he doesn't even put them on the bench. He just doesn't even pick them in the team. We don't want them. I want to hit you with this. So, the devil's game plan creates mayhem. 
It can look good from the outside. It can feel good from the inside. But it creates absolute mayhem. So my question to you is, what is the one thing, all the numerous things that the devil's throwing at you? Now, for me, about three, four, four and a half years ago, the devil had a good game plan to play against me. We were just about to have our third child, little Joshua, and uh, I had a pretty well-paying job. Um, you know, we were going pretty good. Life was pretty good, but, but, but not inside this being. I was all messed up. I wasn't dealing well with the third child thing. And basically I was depressed and I, I, I refused to admit it. Absolutely refused to admit it. I was seeking refuge in man. I was seeking refuge in money. That was the devil and that was the way he got into my head. I worked as many hours as I could because I thought if I can work all these hours, get all this extra money, that'll free up that home loan thing and I don't have to stress about it. But inside, what was actually happening was that's my way to not deal with what's happening at home. That's my way to not deal with the fact I can't handle what's happening in my head. It was easier to go to work. So much easier. I found I was getting home from work, going straight outside to the back fridge, sitting on the back deck and having a beer or two before I went inside to say hello to my family. Looks good. Feels good. It's cold. It's not God. So not God. Little did I realise that I was pushing away my family instead of calling on my family to help me get through that time. I was just depressed. But I refused to go to the doctors and be given stuff to make me better. Because inside I knew that all I needed to do was go to Jesus and he'd make me better. So at that time God was carrying me. At that time I was walking through the valley of the shadow of death and Jesus was with me. God was with me. Now, it's funny how God works, you know. He actually called me out of that time. I didn't actually even surrender myself. Well, I did eventually, but um, we were sitting in church one day and I got tapped on the shoulder. I turned around and thought, yeah, someone wants to talk to me. There's no one there. Turned around that one, no one there. Cool, awesome. At least you just tapped me on the shoulder. No, it wasn't me, okay? All right, no worries, let's carry on. Feeling something. And then Pastor Mark there got up and said, there's a family in the church that are going to, to go to Vanuatu. I'm not going to say who that is, but I believe they're in the church today. And as clear as bell, I hear, it's you. And I went, <laughs> very funny, Liz. Again, turned around, no one there. Okay, cool. Anyway, long story short, we ended up in Vanuatu, sold the house up, we went, um, packed three kids up and went to Vanuatu for four months. Can't go into that because we don't have time. But my point is, it took the Lord to carry me out of that situation because I couldn't come to that decision myself to just drop to the ground because I was still stuck in that stupid game plan. Right? God saved me from that. And what did I learn out of it? This message. That's what I learned out of it. So it is better to seek refuge in the Lord than it is to trust in man. So in saying all that, we've looked at the devil's game plan, right? So A, 
It's better to seek refuge in the Lord. A better game plan in times of, you fill the blank. B, what is it that the devil's attacking you with with his game plan? C, God's got a game plan. We'll go to the next slide. And it is so much better. There's the devil up the other end in the goals this time. We've changed it over. We've changed it. All of a sudden, it's me and God. God and me. See, that is with us. He's inside us. He's there. As Sharon was saying, he's, we have that strength. It's right there to grab. All of a sudden, we've got prayer, love, hope, time with Jesus, devotion, triumph, faith, great relationships, encouragement, empowerment, peace. Boom! Devil's gone. I'm back, baby. That's good. I don't do it as good as you. <laughs> but that's what happens. We've just got all that power through that. And again, on the sidelines this time, we've got the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God, our family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. All of a sudden, we've got all these weapons just because of one thing. We've turned to the Lord. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and everything else will be given to you. Matthew 6.33. It's so simple. I said, you're not going to get a massive big theological message from me. I'm just going to give it straight and simple to you through my experiences. So what happened to me once I learned that message from Vanuatu and realised I had to follow that other game plan? We ended up here. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. God blessed us immensely when we got back from Vanuatu. We moved up to Tanilba Bay, which brought us to this church. Right, the first, when, when Caleb was born, it was a tumultuous time in our life. But did I, sit, did I fall into depression? No. I fell into the hands of the Lord and he carried me through depression. I, I, was, I still got depressed. For some reason I get depressed when we have kids. I don't know why. It's a bit strange. But I got carried through that time. Put plans in place to stop that from happening anymore, so it's all good. All of a sudden I realised I could do all things through God who gives me strength. You know, um, and to, to to come here to actually move to the church block, um, there was a there was a verse out of Matthew eight, uh, it was twenty five and twenty six. It was when Jesus was on the boat with his disciples and a mighty storm came. Right now, the disciples freaked out. They're like, "We're going to drown here!" So they ran to Jesus to wake him up. Jesus, Jesus, wake up! We're going to drown. And Jesus replied. You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? And it was those words, and I shared that with with Pastor Greg and Pastor Robin on the night we decided this was a good idea to move up here. And that that just instilled in my heart, hang on a minute, God's given me a massive portion of faith in my life. We've done it before. We we went to another country. We've only got to move 20 kilometres up to the bay. Why are you so afraid, you Wally? But this one involved actually 12 months, no income, totally and utterly relying on God. That's faith. That's a better game plan. That's what Jesus wants us to do. To get yourself in a place where in times of trouble, in times of need, in times of celebration, in times of faith, in times of you fill in the blanks, Turn to him first. Turn to him first. 
Don't try and solve it yourself. Don't, don't seek refuge in man and princes. They can only live for so long. That pleasure can only last for so long. That, that thing that feels good on the inside, looks great, can only be there for so long. God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit resides in you for all the days of your life to eternity. And that is what I believe is God's game plan for your life. So there's four verses up on the screen that can help you get to that place. And we've been through most of them. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Put him first in all things. All things. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Philippians 4.13. Only Christ can give you the strength to overcome anything the devil's game plan to control you. Even when times are tough, God is with you. You know, I, if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am with you. And God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. Matthew 11 verse 30. You know, it doesn't matter how hard it is or how good it is. At all times, we need to realize that God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. This is the true resting place and the true game plan that God's got for us. It is better to seek refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to seek refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. And I pray that that game plan will reside in you when you leave here today for the rest of your days. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.